Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. I will take all of them. And she looks at you and her eyes go just a little bit wide and she says, All of them? Indeed. Do not worry. Kindred can afford it. You guys being here is going to get back to Operablum one way or another. I guess it's just up to you whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I am going to move the three tower factions into unstable relationship. I have been awarded with this particular prize due to the fact that I am the most beautiful Daibokun. <laughs> with a huge tug, Viperkin yanks the Daibo Vice out of Brabley's hand. And you hear him say, Viperkin, data search to Cobra Kid. And welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host and Slugmaster, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. We've been at DiboCon lately, which has a lot of Dibokin, little animalistic buddies akin to Pokemon or Digimon. So what I want to know about you, my five best and funniest friends in the whole wide world, is if you had a Dibokin, what would it be? Uh, hi, my name is Michael Vetch, <laughs> uh, and I'm playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. And Lena, I made this character so I could live out the fantasy of having a crustacean friend float around with me all the time. Why would my answer be anything other than this? <laughs> I don't know. I thought there would be some player character separation between Michael and Walton, and I was a fool, a damn fool. Lena, I only play characters who understand anime. There is no separation. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known by now. Hello, my name's Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle. Uh, he's the smarts playbook with the hard light board. Uh, and my favorite animal personally is a taper, uh, sometimes referred to as a tapir, T-I-P-I-R. Uh, they're sort of little, little like pig guys, but they got a snoot like an elephant. Uh, and I love them. Uh, so I'd want one of those. And I think just as they data surge, they just bigger and bigger snouts. <laughs> Hi, I'm Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook, and she has the Gravity Blaster in the form of a gauntlet on her hand. And uh, if I had a Divokin, it would be a little fox friend. Yep. I don't know what it would surge to. It would just be a little fox friend. It would be real cute. Just gets poofier and poofier. Yeah. (laughs) And more tails to the point that you just turn (gasps) into tails. Oh, yeah. Hi, my name is Robin. I play Maybelline Zandross, the Grit playbook with the photonic jacket. And I grew up a little too early to get in on the Pokemon and Digimon craze. I was like just a little bit too old for it at the time. Uh, that's not true. I have a lot of peers that got very into it, but I felt like I was too old for it at the time. All this to say, my Daibokin would be like one of those Pokemon that's just like an inanimate object and not an animal, and it would be a stack of pogs. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is uh, David Ray, and I play Trev4, who is the Heart Playbook Uh and has the hyper optic visor. Uh, and I think my my Divokin would be, and, and this is both me and Trevor. 
It's it is uh, it, this is like Michael's kind of situation where it is I am mm-hmm. my character, and so I it would start off as Don Knotts, the actor, <laughs> just trying to break in, and then uh, his next evolution would be Theodore from the Apple Dumpling Gang, and uh, you know he falling off the horse and everything, and then finally his final evolution is uh, Mister Furley. From Three's company, and his big main attack is just you know shooting scarves out of his wrists, and uh, yeah, that's that's uh, my Daibukin. Uh, and as I mentioned, I'm Lena. I'm your host. Um, and if a Daibukin is a reflection of like your favorite things, uh, then my Daibukin uh, would absolutely be like a tiny little elephant that's also kind of not really an inanimate object and that it would be a teapot and (laughs) poor tea and there's all sorts of ethical ramifications about whether you can drink tea from the Daibokin but uh, I'm here for the aesthetic so (laughs) anyway speaking of Daibokin speaking of Daibokan y'all are at Daibokan you're having a nice time right right Right? Fantastic time, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's been going pretty, pretty swell. But things have gone just a little bit south uh, following the panel uh, that starred multi-league Daibokin champion, arguably greatest Daibokin trainer of all time, Olive Fraxinus. She said some words to a certain Brabley that were a little bit hurtful, and it caused things to go sideways with him and his Daibokin, and everyone is caught in the mix now. So let's see if we can fix things, let's play some Slug Blaster. The typical din of Daibokan, the chatter, the laughter, the occasional raised voice as someone calls out to a friend is substituted for more desperate cacophony. People are yelling, shrieking, running as a gigantic indigo snake-like creature bursts into the main foyer of Popularia University. This, of course, is the recently surged Cobrakin. Once a very disgruntled and put-off Viperkin, but now he has gone rogue and is rampaging through Daibokan. Cobrakin is shortly followed by Maybelline, Woolton, and Brabley, and coming in in at a perpendicular angle from the other side of the campus are Brinley, Helix, and Trevfor. You're joining up as things are starting to go haywire. But before we address this situation, there is a far more important and serious situation that we need to address. (laughs) And that is that Brinley and Helix have reunited with Trev 4 prior to this rampage, which means Trev 4, you've given them their outfits. What do they look like right now? So then currently, as you're running into this main uh, area, uh, uh, Helix is wearing a like a, a white doctor's coat uh, from the the waking pits, kind of like a, a like a Doctor Frankenstein kind of a thing, where like the buttons all go down like 
the left breast and down and and yeah, the collar's really high. Yeah, the collar's really high. Yes, yes, yes. Has several pockets, very handy to store all sorts of things, very practical, as Helix would want. Uh, there's all he, uh, Helix also has goggles that uh, can be very much modified to include things like uh, night vision. And then finally, underneath all of this, uh, the, he is wearing these what what is known as lava waders from uh, Calorium, which would allow him to wander <laughs> into the the lava and he would be relatively okay. Uh, very practical again. And but the, co the, the these outfits don't really match. No one's ever worn this before. But at the same time, it seems to like just match in flow. And, and then of course Brinley, as she comes in, uh, she has these short shorts, kind of like uh, uh, jean type of a thing, fishnets uh, going down to her boots, and uh, uh, she is uh, got across her face this mask from uh, Vestige uh, that's like around the edges of this face mask that covers her nose and her mouth and uh, her chin. Uh, it, it's highlighted in kind of a, a glowing uh, red that goes around it. And of course, she is wearing a shirt from Null. Uh, this kind of like... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this halter top style shirt from Null that across the front of it says Degeneration X. But because nobody in this, uh, in any of these realms, like we are talking in English, but we're really, uh, you know, translating uh, Opera Ablum. Uh, it, they don't know what it says, so it's just like this foreign language, but it does say Degeneration X. And she looks hella cool as she comes through. <laughs> uh, almost like a, you know, Rhea Ripley style uh, kind of a character, and I'll leave you to <laughs> look up who that looks like. So The five of you plus Brabley uh, reunite as Cobrakin is making its way down the aisle at a fast pace, tail whipping, knocking over tables, thrashing side to side. People are running. It's pandemonium. But the five of you have a moment to reconnect. Whoa, sick threads, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, were we all were we all changing? I did. I missed the fashion montage. Uh, That's all right. There appears to be a large snake monster that we should probably be dealing with instead. Yeah, we we got bigger scrudnarps to saute, gang. Brabley's little buddy there uh, decided that it it doesn't want to be his little buddy anymore, and it it got bigger. Yeah, it snagged the little guy's Dibo vice and. Somehow it's data surged right through to a polished form all on its own. It does look very shiny. Am I to understand <laughs> that civilians dying randomly by a giant monster is a bad thing? Yeah, Trev, come on, buddy. Yeah, uh, Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that none of these are employees of the Kindred Corporation. Well... If this is important to us as a team, then I will make sure that people are protected. And Trevor uh, immediately starts running off, jumps up, his legs snap back, turns into the rockets that send him forward, and he starts trying to, like, analyze uh, the snake and everything to prevent any attacks that might come at civilians. So what I was going to offer uh, is that... 
I, I'm almost there to uh, absorb failures to a certain degree. I want to invoke my team player ability, which is I mark style when I take a Ornopa slam for someone else. Trev's kind of on overwatch for any of our potential moves then? That's right. Basically, I'm starting to go off on the defensive, heading out and trying to protect as many people as possible particularly the crowd, but if uh, applicable, any of my teammates. I think Helix is going to jump at the chance to wrestle this snake because uh, his whole impetus to coming to Daibokan was to do a big stunt with a Zed, uh, like his favorite uh, fussed stunt guys, um, Moogie and Shart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously the... the Mixed results on the the uh, loop the loop stunt. Um, so I think he's he's looking for uh, looking for another win because uh, he can tell the vibes are weird. So yeah, the first chance Helix can get to basically wrestle this thing, he's he's gonna take it. Uh, but specifically, he wants this filmed. Uh, I'd almost think he would advocate for not making this our problem if there wasn't an opportunity to film him doing animal-based or Daibokin-based uh, stunts with a Zed. <laughs> I think Maeve's going into damage control mode. I think uh, she sees that glimmer in Helix's eye and knows that he's he's about to engage. Uh, so she's going to use her hard light upscaling on her jacket to generate some uh, useful hard light ornaments. And I think it's just like she's, she's trying to fence this thing in. She's trying to make a big hard light like wall essentially to stop it from from rampaging any further down the hallway. Um, so she's she's on containment with her hard light upscaling. Bryn is going to level her gravity blaster, very Iron Man, with her <laughs> her hand outstretched, ready to damage things at a distance with a blast of crushing force or pummel stuff with non-lethal grav torrents. Oh Bradley it looks like it got your board, huh? When it took the Daiba voice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how much good I'm going to be here. Well, here, you hop on the board with me. Scampi will help you balance, and let's go see if we can get you your Daiba vice and your friend back. Uh, Bradley gives you this, like, very grateful look. He's obviously very overwhelmed by everything that's going on, uh, and, and he does exactly as you say. As he gets up, he says... I think if we can just, like, maybe tire him out or something, and, and maybe he'll go back to Adderkin, and, and then it'll at least stop all of this. Right. If we can expand that energy potential, it'll desurge, and we'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what we can do. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. It's the five of you against this Cobrakin. Your goal is to expend its energy to get it to revert back to Adderkin and stop this rampage. So we're going to set up a pretty straightforward, if somewhat long, progress track of Cobrakin. Damn. Ooh. One track for all of you. Once you mark all of the spots on this track, Cobrakin will revert and the threat will effectively be neutralized. I mean, it's a pretty long looking track, but we got to remember that, you know, we can use kick to knock off more than one letter. So, and I mean, everyone's still got plenty of extra resources. No one burned all of their, their kick and their boost <laughs> on anything dumb earlier in the episode. So I think we're good to go. I think we'll have this in no time. Like pizza or hats. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all are fresh-faced slug blasters with many a resource and empty slam box at your disposal. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so Maeve's going to, as I said, kind of work on, on crowd control as well, using her hard light upscaling. And I think to do that, she needs to get 
on the other side of this thing. It was kind of rampaging away from them. Cobrakin was like tearing up the hallway. So uh, I'm going to roll to use my hard light upscaling. But on the way, I want to do a trick in that I want to do a little like uh, I'm having to maneuver around Cobrakin and get on the other side of him. And I'm thinking I'm going to do a little, little kickflip in the process. Nice. I will mark uh, one kick from my jacket uh, to make this extra effective at containing Cobrakin. And I'm going to go ahead and mark, uh, I'm going to use both of my remaining d6s to try and pull this off, because I want this to work. So we're rolling with 3d6 about it. We got a four is the highest. So you are going to keep Cobrakin contained within this general area. Describe this action. I think she kicks off on her hoverboard and... Uh, Gets gets down low, tries to sort of stay out of Cobrakin's line of sight, uh, but I think it's it's moving so irrationally and kind of thrashing back and forth across the hall that at a certain point, in order to get on the other side of it, she needs to sort of jump uh, a section of its its long snaky torso. And I don't think I've ever described Maeve's hoverboard before. So as she's doing this, we see, you know, the camera's at a low angle and we see uh, as she pulls the bottom of the board up and does like a grab, the design on, on the underside, it's a little hard to see because it is mostly just scra scrapes and scratches. It is very, very worn down and weathered from a lot of, a lot of tricks and a lot of grinds and just a lot of use over the years. Um, but it's got sort of a uh, racing stripe at a bit of, a, of an askew angle running the length of the board. Uh, I think it's actually two two stripes side by side. Uh, let's say we got a mint green and a, and a sort of fuchsia going on. And in the exact center of her board, they sort of do almost like a, a heartbeat monitor. They do like a little spike up, spike down, spike back up uh, to form almost like two mashed together M's in the middle of her board. Anyway, she pulls this sick kickflip, gets on the other side, and then proceeds to do the thing she was actually trying to do, which is employ the hard light upscaling to generate a giant golden wall of hard light energy. So you marked a kick, so that marks two spots off the progress track. And you did a trick, so please mark a style. Yeah. For the problem here, I'm gonna kind of two-prong it because it's supposed to be worse. On your end, Maeve, I'm going to say that you do manage to jump over Cobrakin, but maybe you misjudged the swing of its tail. Uh-oh. And it's basically going to swing into you for a slam of clubbed. Sure. And making the problem worse, uh, I'm actually going to uh, throw it over to Trev4. Maeve sets up this wall, which the way I see it, this is sort of like a bigger hallway lobby type space that then branches out into smaller hallways on either side. And Maeve's wall is basically blocking off the lobby from where it would branch off into a smaller hallway. Cobra King can't get past, but you're the one who notices this because you're trying to do some crowd control here. There are some people who were about to run down that hallway that are now cut off by this hard light wall. And Cobra oh, no. King is bearing down on them. What do you do? So what I was thinking, if I, I if I got my rocket knees uh, kind of going and I'm uh, flowing, I can't. There's too many people to specifically rescue. So I realize I'm going to probably have to go up and uh, confront Cobrakin itself. So I want to like, as I'm flying along and as the mouth of Cobrakin coming in, I want to try to like grab it just by 
the lower part of its jaw and try to like fly up (laughs) and try to like push it up uh of course that's probably uh going to uh slam me against the wall or something like that but like i want to pull it fully away from the individuals uh below but like Mm -hmm. it's scraping me I, I, across the, the wall that's just above the door. Okay, let's get a roll to see how this goes for you. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> what do you mean I'm making you roll to do a oh, thing? No. Nothing. Uh, so I'm going to add uh, a d6 from my uh, attitude to this. I got a four on that. Okay, so that's a mixed success. I'm gonna count this towards the Cobrakin track because now it's trying to like wrestle you in its jaws. Mm-hmm. Let's give you the slam of scraped. You basically had it set up, right? Cobrakin is pressing you against the wall and like you sliding on the wall and Cobrakin's teeth sort of sinking into you. Your your outer chassis is just getting scraped to shit. So it's the, the scraped slam. Uh, Maeve, question, how high is this wall? Ooh, that's probably a thing I should check with the GM because I I just sort of made it like it's a big wall and I I realize that like there are limits to this technology. Maybe like a 10 by 10 flat surface? Is that too big? You know what? Here's the compromise that I'm going to make because I do like this offer. I do think this is pretty big for your hard light upscaling to pull off. So Mm -hmm. it's big. It's temporary. And I'm I'm picturing that it probably doesn't go all the way to either wall or the ceiling. Like I could see it taking up a big space in the middle. Yeah. Okay, because we had described that we were entering perpendicular to you. Would it make sense that I am close to the wall? I think so. Cool. I'm incorporated into a trick. Sweet. Sick. The main thrust of what I want to do is uh, use my zero point energy to uh, blast Cobrakin. I will use a d6 from my attitude. I get one d6 when I do a trick. So I'm going to roll three d6 and attempt a trick. That's a six. Amazing. Show me this trick. Brinley kicks off toward the wall, uses her gravity gauntlet to grappling hook herself to the top of the wall and pull herself up and does a grind along the top. And then like she's doing an old fashioned rail shooter, like phew, 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 just fires off some uh, non-lethal grav torrents at Cobrakin. These shots uh, uh, fully sink in uh, to Cobrakin and it sort of like stops and like shakes it off. And it says in this like low serpentine booming voice, get out of my way. And it whips around, kind of knocks over a couple more things. More incidentally, you're rolling a six, right? So I'm not giving you a lot of trouble. People are getting up the stairs and getting out of the way. Thanks to Trevfor's actions, you know, no person is in immediate danger here. Uh, And it just seems like Cobrakin's getting mad and like flailing about and maybe targeting you guys a little bit more, but not in a things are dire way, more you're containing him. You know what I mean? Gotcha. All right. This progress track is halfway through. Helix, you're up. This is uh, is what I've been waiting for. Uh, (laughs) The loop was fun, but this this is perfect. Helix is going to do a trick, first of all. So check it. Okay. Vux, yeah, this is 
the moment I've been waiting for. I can't believe we get to do this. Uh, where did Bradley go? We like sent him in a corner, essentially. Uh, Bradley is with Waltz. Bradley, buddy, I'm going to need your your help with this one. Hold this. And he's going to toss his phone to Bradley with it already streaming. I'll also say that the people who are safely up on the balcony absolutely have their phones pointed at this. Good to know, but I that my doing a trick is the recording it uh, or the, the streaming it because uh, I want to look right at the camera. Normally, I think I was going to do like a rodeo thing, but I've got this amazing scientist outfit uh, that I, I want to honor. So, uh, so he's going to check himself. <clears throat> Hello, and this is uh, uh, Professor Helix. He's, he's not great at doing a, a German null accent, but this is <laughs> Professor Helix. This is an incredible specimen, and we are going to capture it. This is Cobra Specimen Collection moment. Ja. Uh, <laughs> I can do a better German accent. That's Helix's. Um, uh, <laughs> And he is going to uh, – he's sort of – he's going to do a stunt in very much in the style of of uh, the, the fussed guys. Um, he's going to wrestle his giant snake. Uh, I'm going to use my energy lattice uh, to reform it into custom shapes, including tools, hand weapons, and other useful objects. It's going to get real long and thin like a snake hook. Mm. Uh, and he is going to try to hook Cobra Can around the neck and then using a kick. So I'm going to add a kick to this from my – attitude uh if it is successful the kick is to pin it to the ground so once he's got the hook around his neck he's gonna jump on his board to try to pin adderkin's neck to the ground okay gotcha wow and then i'm gonna add an extra die from my attitude as well just to to really because i'm trying to do this so rolling with two dice one kick <sighs> two ones oh, no. <laughs> no. again oh, again again two ones God. It's not funny this time. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> Last episode, hilarious. Great raising the stakes. This time I am chapped. <laughs> I will give you this. In your smarts playbook, it does say under your attitude, if you fail, refill any attitude you just spent. You learn from failure. So please take back your D6 and your kick. You know what? I'm actually going to use another part of my smarts playbook. Oh. Uh, the know-how. Biology. <sighs> Okay. Uh, and I think, it, so it says, if you, uh, if knowing biology would help you with this action, you can mark one trouble and upgrade a one to three result to a four to five result. All right, put the D6 in the kickback then. <laughs> one or the other, fam. <laughs> uh, four to five. And I think what he does, he tries to hook it. It's unsuccessful. And I actually did Google this while we were, while you guys were doing your other bits. You can either, there's a thing called a snake hook, which is a hook. And there's a thing called a snake tong, which is like tongs, like little pincers. Uh, Oh. Uh, and so I think the hook doesn't work, and he's like, this thing's pretty big. I think I'm going to need a tong, and then reforms the board to make two sort of pincery tongs. Mm. Okay. Maybe there's an aspect of, like, sort of like the cobra's hood is too wide for the, the hook shape to get around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so now it is a mixed success. You do have a problem. Uh, it needs to be worse. Because you've succeeded, feel free to mark your style from doing your trick. Oh, this does not look like it would work. We need to adapt and reconfigure. Uh, <laughs> and you're looking into the camera as you say this. And from the other side, anyone who's watching the stream is going to see wh whoever's holding the phone get abruptly knocked. And then the feed cuts off. You see Cobrakin thrash and hit Waltz and Bradley for a super slam. Mm, 
A super slam, you say? Yeah, Walt is mega thrashed. Trev has set up that he's ready to absorb some slams on people's behalf, so this might be the the time when his. This might be. The, I think in. better than me noping it. I'll I'll just let. Uh, and then also, I've got the slam reckless, so I, this was pretty reckless. My my hubris and my bit has caused uh, uh, Brabley and Walt. So it may or may not have informed your consequence. Precisely. <laughs> so I think that's why I'm I'm in the spirit of that. I'm not going to nope it. Uh, yeah, and this is where I would like to try to nope it if I can. What's your thoughts, Walt? Uh, yeah, I'm, I was also okay taking it. I think there's some narratively interesting stuff where Helix is okay trying the stunts because he gets hurt. But then if other people get hurt because of the stunts he tries, I, I don't know, there's... Maybe something to play with there, but also like, I don't know. And also it's a super slam, so maybe maybe Trev nopes your super, but not your slam. Ooh, that could be, yeah. Also, Bradley is in the line of fire as well, right? Yeah, but Bradley doesn't have a character sheet. (laughs) He's going to be fine. Later at Bradley's funeral. No. (laughs) No. I don't have an open slam box to be sad about a dead Bradley. (laughs) (laughs) Lena, uh, so after I got kind of like scraped up or whatever it might be feasible that you know i i drop to the ground mm-hmm. and i i can see that you know copakin's kind of uh thrashing about i can't save everybody but i'm wondering if i could like charge over grab brabley m- maybe say something over to walt and say walt please take cover and I wrap my arms around Brabley and kind of tumble as I'm, I'm uh, getting out of the way. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, maybe that acts as a nope. Okay, yeah. Are you noping the entire mega thrashed slam or just the mega? Could I take away all of it? For four trouble, you could if that's cool with Walt. Sure. Oh yeah, here I go. I'll t- uh, I'll I'll take the four trouble. And so, if anything, it's like I'm uh, wrapping my one arm around Bradley, grabbing Walt with my you know free hand, and trying to uh, pull him out of the way and, and uh, escaping all the thrashing. Yeah, you managed to basically get away in the nick of time, and maybe you get a little bit knocked, Trev. Sure. Uh, b- because you don't have internal organs the same way these operablins do, it like rattles your uh, hard drive a little bit, but is not nearly as damaging as a slam would be. But it's reflected in all the trouble I just took. Yes, please mark four Tr- yeah. trouble. How you doing on trouble, buddy? Ooh, Ooh fi- two away. Uh, I did. Oh boy, I am uh, taking a. That'll lot. be a tight disaster roll. <laughs> now might not be the worst time to remind everybody: if you mark your last trouble box, disaster strikes. Mm-hmm. If you take a slam and you don't have a slam box for it. Disaster strikes. Yes, that fair, fair. So some of y'all are a little close to disaster. So, so with my team player ability, uh, you know, I just, that was a big old uh, nope I uh, I put out there. Is that one style or is that two style? Mm, I feel like it would be one, but I'm feeling generous. You can take two style, Trev. Th- thank you. Thanks so much, Trev. That was a close one. Uh, here, Bradley, you and Scamp stay behind. I'm, I'm going to try and make a move. Be careful. Uh, and with this, uh, Walt stands up. 
uh, and he's going to spin around that uh, that uh, kindred Daibokin baseball cap that he got from Trev from last time. <laughs> he's going to do, do the classic spin it around so it's backwards on his head now. <laughs> and with this move, I think he's going to sort of make a rush on his board over towards where Helix has the head of Cobrakin pinned down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thought here is going to be uh, that Wolt's going to try riding up from the head down the rest of uh, Cobrakin's body, mm-hmm. shooting with his uh, twin ray guns the whole way, just trying to do that last bit of damage to take out its energy reserves. Michael using ray guns. Stop pressing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that roll. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that <laughs> roll. You have no turbo, I see. I do not. Uh, but as the chill with my attitude, I always start off with the 2d6. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And am I right that we still have that last Gold Star Disaster kick lying around? We got mm-hmm. one more. I am going to mark that. So this will be 2d6 with a kick. <laughs> I don't have more resources to give you, but I want this to work and I want to give you a die. Can I take a dare to help Walt with this and give him a die? Yeah, fam. Cool. I think now that Helix has uh, Cobrakin pinned with this hook, Maeve realizes that she doesn't need to keep this wall in place anymore to like herd Cobrakin and stop it from rampaging uh, and is about to dispel it um, so that she can come be useful, but sees Walt going for this maneuver and instead of dispelling it she's going to angle it down and create a ramp for him to to get some air off of to get up onto <laughs> Cobrakin's back yes mark your trouble and we'll take a d6 hell yeah okay then it will be 3d6 and a kick that's a five mixed success Whew. Walt tears away uh, on his board. Uh, he pulls the, the rings off his wrists and sort of expands them into their twin zero-beam pistol forms. Uh, and he's, he's racing toward this sort of angled wall uh, and goes off Maeve's makeshift ramp here up onto the back of Cobrakin. And as it's sort of thrashing to and fro, he kind of like crouches onto his board. It's in the preparation for like if he was trying to then get air with it later, but the whole time down the length, he's just in this crouch. So his pistols are right down on the surface of the Daibokin and he's just shooting, unloading. Uh, I believe I described them before as like almost like globs of mercury. He's just firing these beams all along the back as he rides up Cobra Kin. Please mark a style. I don't think you said you were doing a trick, but this is so cool that <laughs> that please, please do this. <laughs> okay. I will say no. And for your problem. I mean, be poetic if it was a slam because Trev saved you from that previous slam, which means you have the empty box to take it. I've got, like, a gag slam to offer you. Yes. Uh, what's this gag slam? Uh, so, I, the whole point of this plan was to reduce Cobrakin's energy so it would desurge out of this, this oh, state. Yeah. Uh, so I'm almost wondering if, like, it, like, as it's taking all this damage, it, it thrashes, it gets free of the tongs, and it's loose, and it then goes to do a big lunge with a huge, giant cobra mouth. Uh, and then there's a flash of light, and suddenly it's back down in Adderkin form, just like clamped onto my shoulder. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, so yeah, it, it turns around exactly as you described, lunges forward, and you take the slam of little Nip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like the Cobrakin has 
shrunk down and has now nipped our friend Walton on the little shoulder. Walton, how do you feel? Oh, I was... I was not expecting a hologram to have venom. How does it have venom? (laughs) Oh. oh, oh. Uh, And then Helix drops the bit as he kind of, like, stops you from, like, tipping over. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, whoa, whoa, okay, easy, easy. You know what? This has been a bit of an upheaval, and I feel like this might be an appropriate time for this. As the dust settles... Let's get your disaster rolls. Mm. So, yes, every empty trouble box, you get a d6. So for Maeve, that's five. Helix is three. Brinley is five. Trev is two. And Walt is four. Good luck. I roll a five. Okay. Do we have any sixes? Uh, I got a six. I got a six. I got two sixes. Six, six, and six. Helix, dang it. (laughs) I (laughs) wanted to get you good for being such a jerk this run. (laughs) But nah, easy street. The three of you get to mark one style. Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. Helix continues to learn no lessons. (laughs) Uh, Helix, a couple people from the uh, uh, balcony overhead, like whistle and laugh and and applaud your little scientist character. They love it. (laughs) You've learned nothing. Everyone loves (laughs) you. Oh, I'm loving this, actually. Uh, so Maeve and Bryn, also Marcus style. Trev, you got a five. Walt, what was your roll? Uh, of my four dice, I got three, three, two, one. Oh, no. no. Holy Ooh. shit. <laughs> the dust settles on a much more disheveled Daibokan. Tables have been overturned. Merch is strewn about... People are slowly starting to emerge from the side hallways and the balconies from which they have stayed out of the way of this rampaging cobrakin. Brabley rushes forward and picks up the Daibo vice that's on the floor, and in front of him is a little blue snake with little yellow eyes, uh, maybe about one, one and a half feet long. And he says, Adderkin! And Adderkin goes, <laughs> And Bradley says, Hey, it's okay, buddy. Look, I'm gonna be a better Dibokin trainer for you, okay? And guys, thank you so much for helping me. Thanks, Walton. Walton? And all of you turn to look at Walton, and um, he made an offhanded comment about how... Um, Adderkin was somehow venomous. Um, maybe a little bit of Cobrakin's power was just seeping through at the last minute, but he looks not good. He is pale. You can see already that the bite is starting to get infected, and he sort of flops to the ground, and Brabley runs up and goes, Walton! Uh, Maeve also runs over uh, and tries to sort of catch Walton and support him. Walt, buddy, you're, or, hey, hey, and she's uh, waving uh, two of her four hands in front of his face, trying to get his attention. Hey, stay with me. Stay with me, buddy. <gasps> That's cold. Trevor also comes over and tries to uh, analyze and try to figure out what's going on with Walton. Is there like a, a first aid tent or something? He looks looks around. He's like, "Is is it me? Am I the am I the smartest one here to deal with this?" I, I, 
Yeah, uh, man, you you gonna make me say it? You're this is your thing. You're you're oh, the smart one. Yeah, oh right. And this is also kind maybe my fault. No, it's I'm I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just tense. He doesn't he doesn't look good. It, everybody, wait, just the festival's almost over. Don't don't miss the rest of the con. Just cause I'm a little upset on inside. It seems that according to my realmware lens, that he's been poisoned. But do not worry. I do know that back in Operablum, we'd be able to treat this. And I can also detect a, a, a thin zone to be able to get back to Operablum. No problem. I'm just going to pump him full of this euphorophil to get him through to the other side. And like, uh, Trev 4, without hmm. even asking permission, his, uh, uh, a hand opens up and there's a needle that kind of juts out from, uh, his palm and just like jabs it into, uh, uh, Walton and fills him with euphorophil, which immediately makes him feel <laughs> great. Um, actually, could I, Lena, can I, can I pitch that if I've suddenly been stabbed with a needle out of nowhere? Yep, 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 we're on the same page. This euphorophil uh, uh, is going to be administered, and it is going to create all of these wonderful feelings that you were describing, Trev, for, but it is going to be in pretty sharp contrast to what comes next. Um, your medical analysis of Walt also revealed something that I don't think Trev 4 has really had to deal with very much before, in that it feels like he's desaturating, like his essence is sort of being unraveled a little bit, and like not all of him is here. Oh. And as you stab Walt, this sudden shock of pain tips over the edge and with a upsetting pop, Walt is gone. Oh no! Helix grabs uh, Trev 4 by what would be the collar, but it's just like a weird like access handle. <laughs> like, like for opening the hood. Kind of. He grabs him, he's like, what did you do? Did you, why did you make him peel back? Yeah, um, Maeve, Maeve punches Trev, and I think it doesn't do anything <laughs> oh, to Trev and probably just hurts Maeve's hand, but she she fully pulls her fist back and, and uh, two fists, clocks him with both fists, double fist punch. <laughs> and uh, of course, Trev Ford does not understand what peelback is, like does not understand that this would be a, a crisis, because normally in normal circumstances in an opera ablum, that would just make him feel okay so, so you can get him to the like the hospital or whatever. Please, I do not understand what peelback is. I does that mean I disintegrated him? I do believe that my euphorophil is not expired yet. Oh, Jesus. You believe? You don't know for sure? I let me double check. It's fine. Yes, it is up to date. <laughs> double check after you shoot him up with it. Trev, you've never heard of peelback. It's when you get snapped back to your own dimension. Oh no. And we are not in our own dimension. This would be a problem. Yeah, he's back on Operablum and jacked up on whatever you pumped him full of. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Well, of course he doesn't know what peel back is. He's a fucks a robot. He does he even 
have a connection to his own plane? He doesn't have a soul. He doesn't know anything. We gotta go. And I think Maeve doesn't realize how harsh and mean that is in the moment, but she is furious at Trev right now. And like, yeah, Trev 4 is taking all this information in uh, and is trying to like process like what is the next action to take because this is so beyond his programming. Uh, well, I, I I guess the first thing that comes to is that uh, because I've been installed with uh, a Realmware lens, it acts as a space-time amphimeter as well, mm -hmm. which, which is what we did not have on previous runs. <laughs> yeah. So Trev 4 uh, like starts like analyzing, scanning, and see where I might be able to find one of those and tries to uh, go towards the closest... Uh, portal back home. Trev, you get us out of here now. We need to go check on him. Uh, as the four of you are figuring out what needs to happen next and how you're going to get out of Popularia and get back home to check on your friend, Brabley, a little bit off to the side, reaches down and picks up a Dibo vice. But he had already picked up the Dibo vice. That was for Adderkin. Oh. Did Waltz leave Scampykin behind? Looks like it. Um, can I hitch a ride? Yeah, buddy. Of course, Bradley. Uh, Lena, do I find uh, a way out from here? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna say that your uh, path home is uh, easy breezy. Uh, you find a one-way portal that takes you to Prismadia from there. It is no problem to find the two-way portal that's going to spit you out back in Trinity Municipal Park. I actually want to jump to Walt very quickly, because his path was not so easy. Uh, as has been alluded to, uh, and for those listeners who have been following Quantum Kickflip and who are familiar with the game Slug Blaster, everyone has a tether to their home plane. And it acts as a bit of a safety net in that even if you get in a lot of trouble outside of your home, you always have a way of getting back. But it is by no means a pleasant way. Slug Blasters have retired from peeling back because sometimes it can be that distressing. Walt, <laughs> you have the additional uh, layer of being injected full of euphorophil. <laughs> so imagine you've been slammed through like four or five quantum walls uh -huh, uh -huh. and you're uh, getting thrown back, like teleporting, but way out of order. Okay. First it's your atoms, then it's your hair follicles, then it's your blood, then it's the rest of you. <laughs> oh, no. You know that feeling when you fall asleep and your arm's at a weird angle and you wake up and it's pins and needles and it's all numb? That, but it's your head. And on the inside of the skull somehow? Inside the skull, absolutely. It's it's not your just your head, it's your brain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and you feel great. <laughs> And I'm gonna throw in a little detail here, I think, with Peelback. I like the idea that it's a tether to a home, right? So you're gonna snap back to your home plane, but I think you may also snap back somewhere that you're familiar with. And there is no place more familiar 
by the time you sort of get your senses back, Waltz, uh, and, and are kind of aware of where you are and what's happened to you, you sort of right yourself and stand up, um, and you see a blinky red light, and you realize that you're standing in front of the answering machine in your kitchen. Whoa. <laughs> I think as Walt's eyes come into focus and he sees the light, just like so many other times, he just kind of like staggers forward toward the machine, presses play, uh, and the message sort of begins playing in the background, and, and he looks around, and the thing that's different about this time than it has been so many others is that, like, in, in recent years, he's always listened to these messages alone in the home, except for Scampykin beside him, uh, and in not seeing Scampy, and then, like, well, takes a moment, he's not listening to any of the message playing, it's... His ears are still ringing. If his ears are even in the right spot, he, he's padding all over. He doesn't. He doesn't feel the Dibo vice. He doesn't see his board or anything. He, as as much calm had manifested in those few moments of realizing where he was, he's now very on edge and anxious, uh, and he tries to make his way out to the front door. Uh, but as he tries to take a step out, just a, a second wave. Of all of this, the venom, the euphorophil, the peel back, everything just knocks him right on his ass. Door open, and he's just laying in the front vestibule of the apartment, staring at the ceiling for a while. So, Walt, as a consequence for disaster striking, you have to mark a doom. Mm -hmm. Doom is a write in now. So, what is the name of this doom that you have marked? I kind of wanted to call it Trip to Daibokan, I think. For as many fantastic, wonderful things that happened throughout the trip, the end of it, 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 it came in a way that he never expected it to happen. Uh, fully peeling back, I think even the idea that like he was trying to go after Tetrachromacy to help shepherd him all, safely to go to Daibokan before they were all part of a team together anyway, and like... And something about going there together as one, and then him ending up peeling back, it's... It will stay in his memories for a lot of different reasons. Star listeners, it's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you've enjoyed the DiboCon run, please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice and tell your friends. It would mean the world to us. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews and bonus games. That's patreon.com slash quantum kickflip. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing, locally-made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the first chapter of a brand new run on Wednesday, March 8th. 
We're going to get you folks back to the action, but first, here's Trank Darvish with a word from our sponsors. What's up, Daibokin enthusiasts? It's me, Trank Darvish, here to tell you about the sponsors for Quantum Kickflip and Daibokan. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you switch providers, nothing changes about the delivery of these utilities to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms before leaving. If you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. You as the consumer have the choice of who to pay your bills to. Why not choose your friendly local utilities provider? Learn more at parkpower.ca. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is also brought to you by StoryHive, calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. In case you haven't heard of StoryHive, they've been supporting storytellers in Western Canada since 2013. This year, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary with their biggest edition yet. The StoryHive Anniversary Documentary Edition is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you are passionate about. You could get $20,000 in production funding, training, and mentorship and distribution on TELUS Optic TV and Stream Plus. If you live in BC or Alberta and you have an idea for a short documentary, now is the time to send in your pitch. Send in your application by February 28th at storyhive.com slash apply. Your story, your narrative. And finally, this year's DiboCon is brought to you by ScramCat, your one-stop slug shop. Introducing the new Slipstream Nth Gear Hoverboard, with a dynamic design that wicks away portal static and 5D regulation technology, you can slide through thin zones smoothly and with minimal quantum strain. ScramCat, skate on, sluggers! We need to do some cleanup. Um, and there's actually going to be a little bit more cleanup than what might go in a conventional run, because I had moved a couple of factions to unstable at the start of this run. And the truth is, your actions at DaiboCon have impacted so many more factions than just the towers. So I'm going to go through those events now. <laughs> the skate park with the big stunt. You're going to get plus two with the heads, putting you at a plus one total. You've shown that you know your stuff and are serious about the sport of slug blasting. You are going to get a minus two with BRB, putting you at minus two. Uh, I think they feel threatened. BRB is quite a competitive crew. And this nobody rocketing to first place has shaken them. Also, they were not impressed by Helix's gimmicky stunt. You were also going to get a minus two with the normies for the same reason. Helix's stunt did not go over very well with Wee. the attendees of DaiboCon. Infinite Pizza. You're going to get minus one with the wicks, putting you at an even zero. Uh, Wendy 
felt called out and humiliated for being directly associated with Daibokin. I think they had it in their heads that this would be a nice side hobby for Walt and not his whole deal that would then affect their reputation. Ooh. I'm also going to give you minus one with the Thrashers. Uh, Burnout's hipsters, artists, value, aesthetic, and vibe. Uh, they thought your aesthetic was dumb and your vibe was silly. Uh, so <laughs> they're, they're not here for it. Uh, I will, however, give you a plus one with the freaks. Ravers, crusties, oddballs, value being themselves. Walt was as himself as he could possibly get. Uh, so they dig that. Daibokan, I think what I'm going to do here is give you a minus one with Scramcat. This is the sponsor that put on Daibokan. And it's less that they have a direct beef with you and more that things went real sideways and got real disastrous at Daibokan and you're the closest people that they can blame for it. I am also going to give you a plus one with Fust. Cause the stuff that you did at Daibokan was pretty sick. <laughs> As for your towers, I think the way that I'm going to shake it out right now, I'm going to put Lansden at a minus two. Lansden is a tower that is focused on tradition, restoration, bringing things back to how they were. Lansden as a tower, their philosophy does not align very well with slug blasting. I don't think there's any particular goodwill at this point with Lansden based on this run. I'm going to put Webb at a plus one. Helix um, was a, a fairly steadfast representative of Webb. There was some of that uh, uh, friction there, but I think things shook out a little bit in favor for Webb. I'm going to put Kindred at a plus four. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> because... Daibokin is kindred-based, with the exception of the Arborist. Everyone was wearing kindred attire, <laughs> and one of their robots won a beauty pageant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true. Let's now jump to crew style. Shredders, plus three on runs where you race, chase, or land big tricks. Ultronauts, plus three on runs where you find a new world or deal with dimensional weirdness. I think... Shredders, but not Ultronauts, maybe? Yeah. That makes sense. I guess we dealt with dimensional peer weirdness in Walt peeling back, but I don't know if that counts. <laughs> I don't know that we dealt with it in a good way. So yeah. I'd also go along with Shredders, but not Ultronauts. Go ahead and clear your slams. If you have any super slams, please clear the adjective. I think all of you have regular slams, so you should be good to go. Also, you may clear your attitude and your turbo. Um, to be used for next run. Uh, and I believe that is everything. So let's move on to some beats. Down a long hall and deep in the basement of Popularia University, is its multiverse-renowned laboratory. It is a huge, semicircular chamber with white opaque walls, soft white fluorescent lighting, and silver railings and tables segmenting the room into individual workstations. 
On the flat side of the chamber is a sliding door labeled testing chamber. Would-be innovators tinker with their devices, filling the space with sounds of clattering metal and beeping computers and the smell of chemicals and heated metal. We find Trev 4 at a table on one side of the room. You are decked out in a neon pink lab coat, shiny black gloves, and black goggles. Standard issue for any guest who is coming to use the laboratory. You're walled in on either side with shimmering plexiglass, and in front of you, a holographic computer display glows a gentle teal. All around you, on the table, in drawers underneath its surface, and in shelves tucked into the walls are wires, coils, tools, vials, beakers, burners, and everything you need to upgrade your gear. Trev 4, what are you doing here? Trev 4 is trying to... Uh go on with his next task which I, I will explain in a moment but it's it, it's being distracted because these goggles on his head that is being forced upon him is <laughs> messing with his own perceptors which is like you know his whole head and so like this goggles yeah. on top of it just like it's actually uh, messing him up and, uh, and he pulls <laughs> off the goggles and uh, uh <laughs> Uh, analyzes again and, and re- reasserts what his programming is telling him, which is uh, since since he has upset his teammates, uh, which he can't fully comprehend. He, after all, he helped out uh, Walton to make sure that uh, he was safe. Uh, he doesn't understand what this idea of peelback truly is, but clearly this is caused great distress in his team so the team sent him here to try to uh get some uh upgrades for for his team and uh he starts looking at all these parts all these uh you know special components and that he wouldn't normally have access to and he starts analyzing them and trying to put together uh, special upgrades that would help the people who he's clearly upset. So you're on a, a solo mission in the lab of Popularia University, upgrading your friend's gear as penance? Yes, to make sure that he is a dutiful kindred bot. Uh, yes, it's of mm, prime mm-hmm. importance that he maintains this contract, this ongoing contract with Gold Star Disasters. So, yes. Of course, of course. It's it's all business. It's all business. <laughs> so, quite a few of us here have wanted to roll in the Lab Beats, uh, where you can roll for components to add mods to your gear. Narratively, this is in the form, of course, of Trev here at the Lab doing these upgrades for you. But I'm going to get each of you to make your own rolls and spend your own style now. And then after all that, I'm going to check in with each of you and see what you got. All right. Let's check in and see what everyone's upgrading. Let's start with Helix. So, yeah, obviously, uh, Trev is bringing this back for us. But uh, I I rolled uh, for a lens, a coil, and a gem. Uh, And those, uh, that coil and that gem is going to get me a uh, photon vent. Uh, Roll to create trails of semi-permanent, slightly brittle hard light behind you, which float in space until they fade. Big Tron motorcycle energy. Uh, It's the best one on the hard light board. Uh, So I got one of those. I got a photon vent now. Amazing. Brinley. 
What are you getting? Um, I got a lens, two coils, and a gem. And I will spend the coil and the gem to get an endurance engine. Roll to coarsely lift, push, and pull things at a distance with the accuracy and power of a tractor. Fantastic. Uh, and Maybelline. Uh, I rolled twice, used two of my style. I got a lens and a coil. I have an existing lens on my sheet, and I can't do anything with that, so... Oh, no! Next time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God damn it, Trev. Here you go. I just got you some components. I specifically asked for a gem. Come on, man. First Walton and now this. All right, looks like most of you got things that you wanted, which is good. Good for you. <laughs> Good-ish job, Trev. <laughs> Hi, thank you. So in addition to that being in the lab for everybody else, I really wanted to uh, uh, make it so that I, I did three being goods, uh, so I can clear three style, which is what I have, and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, allowing me to clear six trouble, which is what I have. <laughs> so I'm back to neutral, and everything is uh, kosher. So even though people are like, look, let's be honest, that did not end up uh, great for Trev at the end there. But you know, he is a robot, and he knows how to make some good <laughs> devices. So I don't know. There you go. That I figure that might get him in the clear. At least buy him some time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. One being good for each member that you are upgrading their devices. And for Walt, it's just that I saved his life. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think we're coming into this uh, in the Kindred Tower in on floor 303. It's been... Roughly a shift, maybe a bit more than that, since uh, we last saw Walt uh, struggle at the doorway and fall back in, into the into the vestibule of his home. And we, we, even though we're on the level that uh, Walt lives, we're not seeing his house just yet. We're sort of seeing the approach going through, and it's it's more of a nightlife shift right now. Uh, get all that the neon that's always around here, bustling crowds. Uh, and we see someone else actually making their way, maneuvering about, headed toward Walt's place. Yeah, and she is doing classic running, jumping, sliding, rolling, mm-hmm. etc. <laughs> and she has um, something small in one hand and like a, a smallish box in the other. Uh, but Bryn makes it to Walt's apartment and knocks on the door. Ooh, I might actually mention, I think just before, uh, like as, as you come into view of the door, uh, Walt is sitting on the front stoop. Uh, and he has clearly been sitting there chain smoking for the past shift. Ooh. Oh, shit. Oh, Walt. Hey. Oh, that was really rough. I Look, I, I brought you back, Scampy, here. And I also got you, it's a null snack called Pocky? I don't know. I thought you might like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Walt, with just wide eyes, wide, like, very bagged eyes, reaches out and, and takes the Daibo vice from your hand and, like, just, like, really clutches it in close to him. And he takes one last long drag off the 
I guess they're not necessarily cigarettes. They're, uh, we, uh, are they actually canonically death sticks in Operation? Death sticks. Death sticks for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He, it, Walt just drags the ash right out of that last death stick he's got. <laughs> and as he shakily breathes out and all the smoke escapes, he just says, What happened? Well, you. You were fighting Cobrakin, and then he became really small, and then he bit you, and then, I don't know, he said something about Venom, and then Trev had some medicine he wanted to give you, but he just jabbed you with it, and then you, and you peeled back. But, but, but why, why, why was it, why, why did I go, and, and, and you guys were still there, and, and Scampy was there, I, I, I was just, there was the message, and, and I, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't hear it, and. And then I, I, I've, I've just been waiting. I'm sorry. We is everybody else okay? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's fine. We all went back through Prismatia and and then, and then through the the park. So it, it took us a little while. And I, I had to pick up your snacks. So right. Th- 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 thank you. Uh, by this point, Walt uh, had also sort of absentmindedly opened the package. And he's holding one of the Pocky as though it's another death stick. <laughs> it's, uh, it's got a nice hand feel, I guess. You're, um, you're pretty fucked up, man. What? No, me? No, no, you, I'm, I'm still, I'm still Walt. You're, you're all pen pal, right? We... Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. It's just that we're, uh, now we're not just talking over, over messages, we're, we're in the space together, and we're we're out there d- doing things and having things go wrong. Yeah. Thank you for bringing him back. You're welcome. Do you want me to stick around, or do you want to be alone? I should probably take a look at all of Scamp's dailies, make sure I'm caught up. I was planning to save them for after the con or, or for some downtime there, but we never really got... Got a moment. Right. I think as uh, Bryn gets up and sort of starts to walk away, Walt says one more thing. I think we may need to take a bit of a break before the next run there. Totally. Totally. Tell me about this beat. Uh, This beat is angst. Spend two trouble. You've got issues. Do we know why? How do they show? Plus one slam. Uh, Sort of in the emotional realm. Pick a teammate who notices. Uh, and I'm a little torn here between either anxious or shaken. Shaken is evocative. I feel like anxious conveys like a rational worry uh, mm. to a degree. And uh, I think Walt's worries are are very, very much justified by the events he has been through. That's fair. Yeah, I think I'll go with the slam of shaken then. And then uh, the teammate who notices being Bryn. And then maybe... By the next time that everyone comes around, maybe Walt's uh, regain some of his chill, but uh, we'll see how much of that veneer holds up and how much uh, the fact that Brindley knows what's underneath. Oh my guy. catch up with Maeve back at the Arborist Temple in Lansden Tower. Some time has passed here. 
Uh, and I think she is in just a foul mood, you know, throws the door open, making a lot of noise, stomping around, throwing her jacket down. I think uh, maybe Sharla is there, like reading a book or something, and pretty quickly is just like, like, gets up and makes an excuse to like, I gotta go to the, uh, uh, I gotta lunch, to, uh, b- bye. And just like, <laughs> does not want to be in, in the same room as all of this energy. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just kind of in her room fuming about about how things ended. She was so close. This run was going so well. She she shared that that moment at Infinite Pizza with with Walt and felt like they were finally starting to ha- get some time together. And then and then everything went wrong. And there was a monster. And there was a battle. And then Trev ruined everything. Uh, she takes a little comfort of like, well, at least Trev was visiting the lab for us, and he said he'd get me that gem. So at least there's that. But, <laughs> but still. <laughs> Um, so she's just just sort of fuming and you know occasionally like doing the like punches her pillow with with both fists and just like is angry trying to trying to blow off some steam or or let herself calm down before she has to interact with anyone Um, but maybe that's not her choice I suppose I won't need to knock and you look over and see Forrester Tarment standing in the open doorway. You know, you had stormed in and Sharla just kind of left uh, and didn't think to close the door behind her. And Tarment is uh, standing there, uh, all four hands uh, with steepled fingers in front of him. What do you want, Tarment? I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood either, Maveline. I don't like how you have been representing the Arborists lately, and you need to smarten up. I didn't ask to represent the Arborists anywhere. I didn't ask to be an Arborist, all right? And if people are are reading into what I'm doing and, and seeing things and making judgments about what the Arborists are up to, then maybe you shouldn't have me wearing this Vuxen robe. Oh, then I suppose you want the alternative, then. God. No, you... No, I don't. This is a chance to make things better for yourself, Maybelline. And now you're going running along on different dimensions, in different towers when things are already as unstable as they are. You are putting our entire mission here at the Arborist Temple in jeopardy. Well, I don't know what you want me to do. This, it's the only thing I'm good at. It's the only thing I have any fun doing. It's the only thing left for me, and you're... You can't just take it away. I didn't ask to be your mascot. I didn't ask to be your emissary. I didn't ask for any of this. I am not trying to cut you off. That is the antithesis of what the Arborists are about. But if you're going to do this, you need to be aware of the ripples you are making and the connections that are being forged. If you do this right, then you can bring some good and harmony to the multiverse. But I fear you're not thinking things through, and it will make things far more discordant than you realize. Why is any of it my problem? Why do I have to give a vux about the multiverse. Why can't I just- Do you want to be untethered? You know I do. Then it is your business. You can't take that on without understanding the responsibility that comes with it. 
Fine. I understand. Are we done? We're done. And Tarmit turns and walks away. And Maeve kind of picks up the uh, the pho- photonic jacket that she had thrown down upon first entering the room and just kind of holds it. Doesn't put it on, but just sort of drapes it over herself. All, a little like a security blanket at this point. Uh, and is oh. just sort of fidgeting with the hem uh, and the inside of the of the cloak as she sits there and, and stews. Tell me about this beat. Uh, yeah, that was final warning. Uh, the sort of escalation of the trouble at home that I had already done. So for three trouble, an argument, punishment, or ultimatum. What do they want? What do you? What don't they understand? What don't you? Plus one doom. What are we calling this doom? I'm trying to think of a good way to succinctly summarize that exchange. I liked what Tarman said about like the ripples and being aware of of the impact. Oblivious or myopic? Ooh. Myopic is good. What is what is the actual Myopic is like short sighted, like you're not really looking into the future or like looking at the bigger picture. It's just it's like it's it's sort of narrow minded with a forward thrust. I love that. Let's go with myopic. Okay, there we go. So we are in the virtual chat room. I think it is still just a gray box, but one of the walls has uh, the logo that Maeve designed for Gold Star Disaster. Nice. <laughs> on it, I think we'll slowly like decorate it as we go, but that's that's where it is. Uh, and Brinley's avatar pops up. She has asked Helix to meet her online. Uh, yeah, and Helix follows uh, suit pretty quickly. Uh, he's coming because he he thinks, you know, this is we, we had a great run at Daibokan. What happened to Walt? Obviously a tragedy. Um, but, you know, we got Brinley's cool trick. We got my uh, cool trick. Then we got both of us, you know, fighting uh, Viperkin, Cobrakin, Snakekin. You know the one. Uh, <laughs> so... Helix is coming in overall positive uh, and thinks, yeah, it's time to time to uh, debrief with his pal Brinley. Helix, thank you for agreeing to meet me here under these circumstances. Absolutely. This is, uh, I'm glad we have this space because it, 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 all the towers are getting real tight about intertower communication. I've noticed that too. Lanston's been really on edge. Yeah, everyone at Webb is, is also giving me side eye uh, and and really anyone else side eye, even the people with side eyes uh, ah! installed in the sides of their head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm glad we had a chance to debrief because, oh, other than what happened to Walt, that, that trip to Popularia was, was gridge. And I, I, I'm, thank you for helping me with my stunt on the uh, loop. Uh, that, that went great. It's getting a lot of action uh, on our gold star disaster page. Uh, and then, you know, just like the stunts guys I, I, I've been really inspired by, uh, I got to, to wrestle a giant cobra uh, and couldn't have done that without you either. So, oh, just, you know, obviously you beat me in that race we had. Well done, I suppose. Uh, but really just just feeling pretty, pretty positive. The, the results I got from that run were uh, exceptional. So I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah. Do, wait, do you not? It, it's sort of hard to tell. We're digital avatars. Like I, 
I'd, I'd love to say I can see you frowning, but your your avatar is just sort of existing. Uh, but the, the tone of your voice suggests... <laughs> a frown emoji yeah. pops up over Brinley's avatar's head. <laughs> there it is. The ever-useful utilitarian emoji. Listen, you've really taken the whole stunts thing really far. Um, and it always seems to be about making you look good, not the rest of the team. Uh, I was about to say thank you, but <laughs> I, I, then you said the thing about the team. Um, <laughs> what, what do you mean? I mean, we're, we, we, I want us all to look good. I, I, I mean, if you look at the, the guys uh, on the, in the fuss crew, for example, you know, each one takes turns doing a stunt and, you know, they, they kind of rip on each other. They kind of bully each other, set each other up for, uh, uh, terrifying, uh, revelations. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're a crew and that's, that's what makes that, that, that show so engaging. What, what do you, what do you mean making it all about me? I mean, you... We're doing this even in Calorium. You peeled off to take a photo with some flamingos, and then you hurt your virtual Daibo King. You called it a tool. Do you think Trev is a tool? And then you put on this whole weird accent thing and made sure Brabley was filming you. Brabley the child? It, it, it was the heat of the moment. I mean, I, I, you, you were busy grinding on Maeve's wall. I, I, he had free hands. What, what would you want me to do? I I don't know. Maybe like not give a fucks about whether you're being filmed or not. Yeah, but if 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 I do a stunt and no one's around to see it, was it still truly cool? <laughs> Is it cool if everyone watches? I I, I think so. Especially my team. I thought. Yeah. Well. What is this really about? Like you. You're making it about you, and there is more of us on the team, okay? I crushed that loop loop. I made it to the top of the board, beating out BRB? And all you care about is that you threw a Dybokin down and stomped on it? It's not all I care about. I filmed you doing that. We wouldn't have the footage of you doing that if it wasn't for me whipping out my phone and streaming it. You're welcome. You know what? I don't think this conversation's actually gonna go anywhere. Thank you for coming. I'm sorry I asked. You know, Webb makes a new chill pill. Maybe I'll send one to you via post host. Fucks off. Whatever. All about me. What's she talking about? I care about this team as much as her. Alright. Sounds like there were a few beats rolled up in that scene. Let's talk about it. Uh, well, yeah, the, the first one, like I said, was, was results. Uh, uh, Elix thought he was here to talk about... Uh, the results. It's one of my smarts beats. Uh, the idea shows promise. It's some kind of device, new trick, portaling breakthrough, or what? This would be a new trick, this idea that he's going to be a, a stunt guy, um, as opposed to just, like, a straight-up slug blaster. Uh, so mark one legacy, pick a teammate who is there when you test it. Well, golly, I gotta say, that would be Brinley. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get I get a legacy. Uh, what are we calling your legacy? I'm gonna call it Stunts with his head. Yes! Uh, what else was in that scene? Uh, we saw Brinley's, uh, struggling scene. Your issues get worse, you act out, project, or try to solve the problem the wrong way, plus one doom. Alright. You get to clear three trouble. What are we calling this doom? All about you. Yeah. Love it. Uh, and then, you know, Helix went in there with nothing but positivity and, and found out he had, uh, pissed off his friend. Uh, still gonna have to, you know, chew on that. But it's, he really didn't, he was oblivious. He didn't realize this is what he was doing to his friend Brindley. Uh, so we're going to call, that was uh, the next Smart Beats after result, Unintended Consequences. The idea goes haywire, dominoes uh, terribly, or gets into the wrong hands. What's the crew think? Obviously, uh, Brindley, maybe even the rest of the crew, who's to say? 
Um, uh, anyway, unintended consequences. So I did I did two smarts beats, and Glenna, yours was a an angst beat. Oh uh, yeah, with unintended consequences, uh, I mark a doom and a fracture. Actually, it's one doom or one fracture. Oh, I'll take the doom because I was like, damn, we already have a fracture, so I'll mark it. A- uh, are you sure? It feels like Helix is pretty at odds with the rest of the crew. Or at least Brinley. Uh, yeah, okay, then it's a fracture. Okay, all right. I feel like the crew is on pretty unstable footing, and a fracture is a pretty good mechanical reflection of that, personally. Absolutely. Uh, what did you call that doom, Glenna? All about you. Let's call the fracture all about me. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Woof indeed. That was was fun, though, Glenna. That was a great great scene. So Trev 4 is returning to uh, Kindred Tower uh, and, and like getting onto the hyperlift that will take him back to the floor where uh, the junk shop is. And uh, he's trying to figure out a way of like how he's going to get all of these different parts and these upgrades to the different folk in his crew. And uh, it, currently he's just kind of like, he has a big box uh, just like a cardboard box and all of these parts are just hanging out of them and uh, he gets into the hyperlift and uh, he hits the button to get to his floor now Trevor, you are not the only occupant of this hyperlift which is maybe not unusual um, you know hyperlifts are a I, I like to see them as a particularly popular and prevalent thing in Kindred um, they like to pretend there's a lot of accessibility in the floors of the towers Perhaps the interesting thing is, there's only one other person in the lift with you. Michael, can we get a description of this character? This would be uh, an operable of pretty average build, uh, bald head, has some sort of black framed, almost horn room glasses. He's uh, in, in, a, in a dirtied up uh, set of coveralls in the kindred colors. Uh, and you can see uh, across the, the uh, front left chest of this coverall set, there's a little stitched name name patch that just says Lufts, uh, and uh, he's got in one hand a, a, a box of tools, another he's got some sort of device that he's got plugged into the lift. Um, he sort of turns and looks over to Trev and, and, and mentions, uh, I hope you don't mind, uh, the lift might be a little slower today, I have to run some diagnostics on it on the, on the ride right now. That is quite okay. It is important to make sure that the lift runs with great efficiency. Of course. Everything has to be shipshape here in Kindred. <laughs> Indeed. And I appreciate the work that you put in. And and then uh, Trev 4, you know, takes the box of uh, parts, it shifts it over into his one arm, and then uh, lifts his left hand with the thumb out, and it pops up. Blip! And he puts a uh, gold star onto uh, 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 this individual's kind of like, uh, I guess, nameplate. Huh. Um, you're about to put it on the nameplate, and then you notice there's one already there. Oh, it looks like you have done well in the past. Well, guess what? You get another one. And I put it right over top of that same sticker. <laughs> it perfectly fits over top. There's like, you can't tell that there are two. Yeah. They are so exactly in the same spot once it's adhered over top. Well, 
Thank you very kindly. I, I'm sure you, whoever you're doing doing this work for, with all the the parts and doodads you've got, uh, I'm sure you're doing good work for them too. <laughs> oh, uh, I would like to believe so. I've been helping out my uh, friends for several days now. And they have appreciated me greatly. That's why they entrusted me with this. Oh, you've you've been helping a, a group for a while now. Yes, uh, I've been working very hard. Lena. Yeah. Would I recognize this individual in any kind of uh, capacity? No. Huh. That's quite interesting. It's not. It's not often you. See uh, units from the repurposed robotics division going out from the same rentals over and over. Must be nice for whoever's got the hold on a unit like you. <laughs> By the way, uh, the, the name's Stanch. I didn't mention it before. And he reaches out <laughs> with the, the hand that wasn't holding uh, uh, the device plugged into the into the hyperlift and uh, offers to shake your hand. Ah, yes. My name is Trevor. And I reach out and grab the hand and, like, shake it in an appropriate way that's just like, oh, there's five distinct shakes. One, two, three, four, five. And now, Trev, here's what I'll say. You don't recognize him, you don't remember him, but you have absolutely done this before. It feels like the most vivid deja vu you've ever felt. And you don't feel deja vu. And and Trev 4 maybe takes a moment and is... I apologize. It seems that my ram is off kilter. <laughs> I apologize. And I turn uh, back around, to, uh, holding the box of uh, parts again. And then, after a moment, like, look back at him. Do you recognize who I am? Well, I must, certainly must say I've seen Trev 4 units before. Ah, yes, that must be it. And uh, Trev 4, like, looks back forward. Uh, the elevator dings, and the doors open. Uh, Trev 4, like, walks out, and he turns around and says, Thank you once again for the lovely conversation. The same to you, Trev. Take care. The doors to the lift slide shut. All right, Trev, tell me about that beat. Uh, that was from, uh, the Heartbeats, which is, uh, Dalliance. In particular, uh, you begin a special relationship with uh, a member of another faction, a teammate, or someone else, uh, plus one legacy. Clear your style. What do we want to call this legacy? Um, oh, boy. <laughs> what is a good name for this one? Maybe this is too too vague and mysterious, uh, but uh, a job well done. Job well done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just a couple guys. Working in an elevator, you know? Everybody's working. Yeah. Everybody's doing their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're doing their jobs well. Listeners, you need to know that the, we have not, we don't know what's going on here. I am I yeah. am riveted by this mystery. <laughs> Who is this <laughs> mysterious stanch man? <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? So Bryn is at home in her apartment on her bed, and she is on the Gold Star Disaster. Uh, is it still my page? Did my page go under? I think they have a my page and they have a Nexokin account. Right. 
Kind of like how you have a Facebook and an Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's on her phone. She's on the Gold Star Disaster account, and she is watching the footage of her going on the loop-the-loop. And it is one of the highest rated videos. It is really got a lot of likes, got a lot of love. Uh, she is just reliving that moment. And uh, yeah, that's that's the down, that's the beat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I'll also say I think it's in like, uh, you know, compilation articles. It started to pop up as like, uh, best up-and-comer crew tricks, best tricks of all time, even. It, like, shows up in there. Best tricks at Pop U's skate park, like, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You see it pop up independently of your feeds and other people's feeds. Like, publications are picking it up and throwing it into, like, compilation article kind of things. List articles. Listicles. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, What are you getting? Uh, You earned it. A trophy, a trick named after you, a scholarship, a moment you'll cherish forever. Plus one legacy. Is the legacy called Loop 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 Loop? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yay! So yeah, uh, I'm going to do a couple beats here, and I'm going to lump them together. I'm just going to just run through them quick here. Uh, that It's going to be a combination of being good and in the lab. Uh, so a bunch of style spending, but I think the way this sort of uh, crystallizes out for Walt is uh, he is going to go check in on Brabley after everything that happened at DiboCon, and he's going to do what he can to try and help Brabley Maybe it's just like uninstall the upgrades to the to the uh, data search Dibo vice or or do what he can to help bring that back into control. So that's the the being good aspect is is helping out a friend in that way. And while they're tinkering, he's also going to do his in the lab tinkering uh, stuff alongside it. Nice. Uh, I think if if we're cool with it, I'd like to see like a very short scene between Bradley and Walt. Maybe you're in like a makerspace in Kindred or something like that. Yeah, I like that. And I I think. Brabley very hastily pulled the data search Dibo Vice upgrade out of his Dibo Vice. Hmm. And, and he kind of did it hastily. So he's maybe looking for your help to put it back together, maybe in a way that will work a little bit better. I mean, I don't know if it'll even work. We could just like plug it back in, I guess. But then... I'm gonna have Viperkin, and I don't think Viperkin likes me very much. Could we put part of it in? But then will Viperkin not like me either? Because I'm only doing a part. Ah, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, let me take a look here. And uh, Walt pulls out his uh, set of repair tools, a piece of gear that he has. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and sitting down, there's a lot of like, once they've opened up the paneling, He's looking at the layers of soldering, where the different connections have have been slotted in the ports. And yeah, this is made up technology, I'm going to make up an offer. (laughs) Well, Bradley, it looks like I should be able to patch all this up so all the connections will be in place, everything like that. But looks like there might also be space that I could add a damper in or something. Something that might help 
stem a bit of the flow of, of the data moving in between uh, your normal Dibo vice and this data surge portion. With that, it it might help sort of limit the ability to data surge, which it'll always be undoable if when you get older you get to a point that you you want to take another shot with Viperkin or heck even Cobrakin, but for now it that might be the safest option for you, bud. What do you think? Um, I, I, I guess so. Um, do you think that do you think I should even have this? Probably. I don't know. I feel like things just got really out of hand. I, I felt like ever since Adderkin was Viperkin, it felt like we were on a different page. And then, and then Cobra Kid happened. And I feel way in over my head. And I don't know. I don't even know if, if I'm a good Daibokin trainer and if I, if I should even have this thing. Bradley, anyone can be a Daibokin trainer. Trying to measure how good of a trainer you are, that, well, that's just a load of nonsense. So long as you care about your Daibokin and the two of you go forward as partners, it doesn't matter how good or how strong or any of that. What matters is that you're spending time with something you care about and both of you are learning and growing and just trying to push forward together. Yes. If you really want, I can totally uninstall this. But I think you do show a lot of potential, and you know what? At whatever pace is comfortable for you, I want to make sure you're having a fun time with Adderkin. Uh, I guess I never thought of it that way. Having fun with, with a partner. I guess I always had it in my head I needed to be like this strong, cool, powerful Daibokin trainer like Olive. <laughs> well... You're what, man? You're like 10? 11? Yeah. That's way too young for anyone to go out on a life-changing journey with nothing but an animal-type partner. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wild. Dude, you've still got to hang out with your friends and your family and take take it slow. Build it up from there. You've got so many years ahead of you, man. I guess Olive's only 15, but she's the only one. I guess I do have some time. Thanks, Walton. No problem. Uh, and it seems that Bradley has been reassured and and reinvigorated uh, by this talk. And, and together, the two of you uh, get to work on, on fixing up Bradley's Dibovice to be just right. And you've got some upgrades that you'd like to do as well. Yes, I spent the one style on being good to clear my remaining two trouble. Uh, which leaves me with three style to roll for upgrades. Uh, and I actually rolled them at the same time that everybody else did. Ah. The components that I earned are a lens, a disc, and two gems. I think with that, I am going to spend those two gems to add a power cell uh, to my robot companion. So I'll have uh, another kick to use in that turbo pool. Nice. So we find ourselves in uh, a bit of a chaotic scene. It's, it's almost for a second, it's like we're back at Daibokan in the middle of Cobra Kin's rampage. Um, but that's not quite right. We're, we are in a, in a corridor, but it's not the halls of Popularia University. This is an older sort of uh, stone architecture with some, some threads uh, of silver filigree running through it. Uh, that just barely glint in the low light because it's, it's very dark in here. Um, there's some some scattered debris and some smoke, and Maybelline Zandros 
uh, picks herself up off of the ground um, and sort of coughs and, and staggers to her feet. Um, she looks a lot like we know her now, other than uh, a key detail, which is that she's not wearing her her trademark sort of red-orange arborist robe, her signature device, her photonic jacket. She is wearing uh, a big oversized cloak, but this one is, is jet black and covered in a variety of patches. Um, and she, as I said, staggers to her feet and, and sort of looks around. Her head is swimming. Um, she sees a silver orb sort of bounce and skitter down a hallway and then explode into a pulse of blue light that sweeps out and she ducks around a corner just in time uh, and she looks around panicked and begins to uh, compulsively reach for a patch right on the uh, front uh, like breast pocket area of, of that cloak uh, and is tapping at it instinctively uh, it's a little emblem much like the one I described earlier on the bottom of her board of two M's sort of stacked on top of one another. And she's tapping at that and it illuminates softly. Uh, and she says, Mondo, Mondo, where, where are you guys? Where did you go? But she doesn't get a response. Um, and in her hand, she holds an ornate, uh, just ancient looking stone dagger. You don't get a response from the patch on your cloak, but materializing out of the corner of your eye is this glowing purple figure. She looks vaguely Thetispartian once you focus in on her, but her outline when she's just starting to materialize and like out the corner of your eye is like rounded off the top, down the length of her body, and then sort of like billowing out uh, along the bottom, almost like a classic ghost shape. <laughs> and this is, in fact, a Thenispartian ghost. Ooh. Maeve jumps for a second, but then recognizes the figure before and goes, Decembria, oh, 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 thank God. Okay, uh, where, where's everyone else? Where's Mondo? Where's Hans? I, I need to know. I, you guys, we got separated somewhere back there, and I, I can't, I, these corridors are a maze. May. May, listen to me. We are safe, but you have to give me the dagger. Well, if you're safe, then show me where to go. Can you can you take me through the wall like you you just did? I I've seen you do it with I stuff can't. before. Can you can you take me with you? I can't. I'm sorry. I just came back for the dagger. Mondo says you have to give it to me. Well, why didn't he say anything to me? I've been calling him. I May, I'm sorry. There's no time. Okay. Well, Listen, stash it somewhere safe, and then you guys gotta you gotta get me out of here, right? Get, call me on the patch and, and tell me where to go, okay? All right, all right, give me the dagger. And Maeve hesitates, but she can hear voices coming down the corridor, and she doesn't know what else to do, and she hands it over. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. I'm sorry, May. And she phases away. Uh, Maeve reaches for that same patch again and taps it, illuminating the, the patch on the front of her cloak. It says, Okay, Mondo, I gave the thing to Desambria. I I need you to get me out of here, man. I, I don't know where to go, and I can hear him coming. Mondo, Mondo, you can't leave me in here. And I think it's at that moment that we cut back to Maeveline, right where we left her, sitting in her bunk in the Arborist Temple, uh, sort of stewing and fiddling with the hem of her new arborist cloak 
uh, the the bright red orange colored cloak in contrast to the one we saw in the in the flashback there. Um, and we we the camera sort of zooms in on the hem of the coat where she's been sort of absentmindedly fidgeting. And on the inside, in the in the lining of the coat, we see that same double edge, double M patch has been sewn into the inner lining where no one else can see it but her. And she fiddles with it there and and sighs. Tell me about this beat. Yeah, this was uh, the trait beat of origin. So for three style, a flashback that shows a defining moment from your past, plus one trait. And I am going to take the grit trait of walk it off. You gain one extra slam box. Mark one style every time you take a slam. How could I not? How could I not take that? Best How grit ability. <laughs> All right. And with that, we are going to go to the final scene of this episode. In an undecorated office. On an unknown floor of Kindred Multiversal Mega Tower, a gentleman sits at a desk, scrolling through images and videos on a tablet. His faded black hair is combed neatly to one side, resting gently atop his head. His oversized glasses exaggerate his small eyes and furrowed brow. He scrolls through the media with his middle finger on which is adorned a flashy gold ring. Standing across from him on the other side of the desk, a woman waits, arms crossed nervously. She speaks. You can see why I wanted to bring this to your attention. He doesn't look up. His eyes flicker to the social media handle and he raises an eyebrow. Disaster. That's certainly apt. Although... (laughs) He bites his lip in thought as he looks up to his associate. We could use this to our advantage. She leans forward, planting her hands on the desk, keeping her eyes on the wood grain pattern embedded into the plastic polymer surface. Tower relations are far too delicate for an unpredictable element like this to be thrown in the mix. The presence of this crew could undo everything we've worked towards. We can't do anything about their presence. They're already in the mix whether we like it or not. He sets down the tablet and leans back in his chair. It might just mean we need to act a little faster. She finally looks up. So what do we do? He shrugs. It's obvious. We get them on our side. There's another factor that complicates things. The woman picks up the tablet and navigates it deftly. She hands it back, revealing a video of a red robot strutting down a runway. The gentleman sits up fully, watching the video play in its entirety. Once it stops, the room is silent for a moment. Finally, he speaks. Does he... remember? I don't know. She takes the tablet back and opens a file. It looks like this crew has a long-term hold on him. Then we need to make sure his loyalties are in the right place. His eyes drop to a line item on the file. It looks like he has a debt to pay. (laughs) 